ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Frog presents Hey everybody, welcome to the Harmonics Podcast. I know that you've missed us. Uh, we've got a, a intimate, in, intimate, 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 we brought intimate group this, this week. <laughs> uh, we've got Annette, Woo! back from being on the road and just about to go back out on the road. I'm going to do that again. It's going to be great. Fish eating the largest orange I've ever seen. It's a grapefruit. Yep. That's what an orange <laughs> that, that is. That would explain. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Uh, Nick Chester, our publicist and uh, our uh, official uh, harmonics a-hole. Yep. <laughs> and our special guest this week is Izzy Maxwell. Hello. Izzy, uh, what, why don't you uh, walk, what do you do here at harmonics? I'm a senior sound designer here, which means I, uh, I'm not really <laughs> that senior, and I actually... I don't think I've done any sound design in about five years. Wow. Uh, what I do here is the mixes. I do all the mix, almost all the mixes for Rock Band DLC and for Dance Central and Dance Central DLC. Boom. So if something sounds bad, that's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's kind of awesome. So um, are you also working on one of our currently unannounced projects? Nope. Nope. All right. <laughs> I was, I was going to say we could tease that, but I don't even need to. Yep. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I think you teased it just by mentioning yep, it. Yep, I just teased it by mentioning it. I can tease you about some DLC. Oh. I've been mixing some songs. Sweet. Yeah, okay. I got, I'm working on one right now. It has some guitars in it. Oh. Is there a vocal Breaking track? Breaking news, guys. Spoilers. There might be, there might be some vocals. Okay. What? Might, might be harmonies. Okay. Oh. Okay. Oh, we do that now? I don't, I don't want to give it away, but I think I can say it's a song that's about... Three and a half minutes long. Oh, Ooh. man. Ooh. All right, you heard it here first. <laughs> so it's Led Zeppelin's Immigrant Song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, well, we wanted to have Izzy on the show, apart from him being a cool dude who has mixed all of your favorite rock band songs and Dan Central songs. Uh, he uh, has a number of m- real-life musical bands. How many current bands are you in? Well, that's a difficult question to answer because... <laughs> Kind of zero, Whoa. actually. Really? Yeah, going through through a different stage in my life. I think at my max, I was in seven bands. <laughs> oh my God. That was like during college, where I fancied myself a rock star. Um, no, I mean, Death of the Cool will always be, because that's basically me. It's, you know, like <laughs> Nine Inch Nails is Trent Reznor. <laughs> Death of the Cool will never break up unless, well, unless I mean, you, maybe when I die. When you die, maybe. Um, but, you know, hey, maybe if I die, the rest of the band will, like, go on, get get a real <laughs> singer and, uh, you know, have some success. Um, uh, I've been playing with a band, uh, Plush Gun, oh. who I believe also has some DLC in uh, in um, in RBN. Sweet. Um, they're old friends of mine. And they needed a bass player for a tour they did last year, so they called me up, and now we're in the process of writing the next album together. Sweet. Which is super fun, but they're all in New York, and, you know, as much as I love playing with those guys, I've made it clear that 
I love my job here more than I do going to New York every week, so I sort of play with them when is convenient for yep. all of us, but they're mostly still playing as a, as a three-piece. They have a pretty decent following, don't they? Yeah, you know, it was interesting. The tour with them was in, um, in Spain and Germany. Jeez. And in Spain, they're like a household name. What? <laughs> we, we went out. Uh, we only played, we played three shows in Spain, and every night after the show, I mean, the shows were packed, for one, uh-huh. and also in Spain, everybody dances. Yes. They go out and they dance, which I is great. That. Awesome. Because, like, you so know, Plush cool. Gun is sort of a, a dancey electronic band. Uh, we would go out to the discotheque <laughs> after the show, and uh, every, every night, every of the three nights, at some point in the night, the DJ put on a Plush Gun song. What? And like the first night, we're like, oh, someone must have told him we were here, that, you know, <laughs> flattering us. But by the third night, it was like, there's no way anyone even knows we're here. That's awesome. And it's just like, oh, I guess people know who Plush Gun are in Spain. <laughs> and then, you know, come back to America and it's like, hey, like TT the Bears, Middle East, can we play Tuesday night? No? Okay. <laughs> all well, right, see maybe you. next time. You know. <laughs> uh,. Yeah, but you know they've done all right. They they got music in in a, in a few commercials and a bunch of you know MTV sort of likes them. Got on all those wonderful shows that I watch every week. <laughs> um, Remember, we don't work for MTV anymore, so you don't need to bullshit about how good the shows are. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> they are terrible. Those uh, TV shows. Right, and um, I played with Count Zero for a long time. Um, I'm still a huge fan, but um, I moved on. Um, Love working with those guys anymore, but I'm not playing with them. And uh, the band I've been playing with the most <laughs> lately, which I know you are a fan yes. of, is Dr. Frog. Yeah, Dr. Frog. Tell us about Dr. Frog. Dr. Frog is probably the most I don't even know what word to use. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it. They are the best band I've ever played with. Wow. I was a fan for years. Um and uh Eventually, their bass player moved away. I think I don't know something. For some reason, they needed a bass player, and uh-huh. I was at every show already and knew all their songs. So, um, just sort of worked out. So I played with them for a few years, and uh, then you know, notorious, all... notorious live shows. Oh yeah. Well, most of uh, it's it's sort of an educational band. <laughs> uh, we teach people about the human digestive system. Yes. yes. A lot. My favorite um, track being uh, "Shit Is Brown." Oh, can we Amazing. say "Shit"? Oh, we oh, yes. yeah, yeah. oh yeah. sweet! Give me, give me this a little taste of the lyrics. Level. Little, little. Uh, shit, shit is, I'm glad "Shit Is Brown" is one of your your favorite songs because we actually we just did a recording session and we picked a few old favorites to, to re-record <laughs> in you know yes. full hi-fi fidelity. So, um, yeah, "Shit Shit Is Brown." It goes um, face the facts, look around. Don't deny <laughs> shit is brown. Right? Brilliant. Pretty that's, deep that's stuff. That's the chorus. Yeah. It's true. You know, it makes makes sense. Makes sense. It's about so, opening your eyes and seeing the world, Nick. Yep. Yeah. It's a so, call to action. Call to action. So sky yeah. is blue and shit is brown. These are things you can't deny. We uh we uh we've recorded uh, almost an entire album. I think uh, ten songs. Uh, many many new songs. Yeah, give us a little taste of the, ly- the not the lyrics, the uh, the song titles on this new uh, album. Let's see. I think the <laughs> single will be "Taking a Dump." Uh-huh. Uh, will the B side be one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? Oh, he's, he's very keen. I'm I'm now I'm now the Ringo of the band. 
<laughs> if if the Beatles were a really terrible, yeah. terrible band, I, I got my one song on the album, which is called One, Two, Three, Four, Five, Six, Seven, Eight, Nine, Ten. <laughs> and uh, coincidentally, those are also the lyrics to the song, uh, repeated several times. And what but, what um, time is that in? It's actually in ten. That's awesome. ten. Ten four, ten eight. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's basically ten as fast as you can <laughs> count ten. <laughs> So when I was teaching the drummer, he said about, you know, what's the speed? I said, well, you know, how fast can you say one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten? Okay, that's about the tempo of the song. <laughs> yeah. um, what are the chances for this podcast, for our intro and outro, we always have music. What are the chances we could have a couple Dr. Frog songs? I, I'd say there is a very high chance awesome. of that. Awesome. Um, so, and especially now that I know we can say shit. Yep, yep. Um, we'll, get, uh, we'll get a few songs in there. Awesome. Uh, oh, another another song that is really good, a really classy song, <laughs> branching slightly away from uh, the human digestive system. We have a song called Diarrhea Dog <laughs> um, about the digestive system of animals. So this is a good uh, aside because uh, my wife and I are moving into a, a condo. I've always wanted a dog, but we never ha- could have one in the apartments we lived in. So we want to get a dog, but then she tells me, there's a thing with dogs, at least certain types of dogs, where you regularly have to get their anal glands serviced. Yep. Really? What? Yeah, wow. I have never heard that before. Can you do and that at home, or do you need to take I don't take want them? to like touch my dogs. You <laughs> yeah. You can do it at home, but... You can't, so you could service Ugh, their glands on your own. Because they secrete, how. like, this stink, right? Yeah, it gets tracked in their... <sighs> some kind of lymph node in their butt. And that only oh. happens with dogs. Is there humans? a step-by-step guide about how that goes in your song, by chance? Like, <laughs> I mean, there's an idea for I a new song. It's going to have to Otherwise... be for the next album. <laughs> Get out your turkey basters. Uh... <laughs> but yeah, apparently that thing when dogs like rub their butt on the floor, that's oh. when they need a good... Uh, wow. so I thought they were still so scratching their ass. How, how does yeah. that... Like, what's, what has that occur in nature? I don't... Well, like apparently... Wild dogs, what do they do? Their ass is that's, just that's how they do it, wow. like, just by rubbing their ass on, okay. on the floor. And it eventually... Yeah. On the ground. Like, the, what, how does that... What happens? Do they, like, Apparently they secrete, like, like, a, just, like, a goop, right? Okay. Fish, wow. fish knows about this. I, I've, I've only just I learned about, heard about it. it. I've only just learned about it. I've only just learned with a bunch of dogs now. Oh, yeah? They're like, yeah, we had to do the thing in the bathtub. <sighs> so apparently, really like, smell. certain dogs, like, maybe... I guess pugs it happens a lot with, so they'll come up and sit on your lap, and then they just leave this, like... Oh. Disgusting Array. goop. If Just they get... get one that doesn't do this. Yes. So, so that's someone on the internet needs to tell me which dogs don't need anal <laughs> servicing. <laughs> so there. I'm glad we got to discuss All that. Right. Hey. <laughs> um. So you have a new uh, song in Rock Band Network. Yes. With I, which band? Finally, Death of the Cool has mm-hmm. uh, our follow-up hit single. <laughs> Everything I Hate About Myself is finally in RBN after, geez, I think it's probably well over a year ago that I originally submitted it. Wow. A lot of, lot of back and forth. <laughs> um, I, I guess... Uh, they're sticklers, the RBN community. They're, they're very thorough. Yes. Very thorough, as well they should be. Right. Um, but, you know, it was, it, w- it was a very awkward situation for me. <laughs> Uh, having before I did the mixes for Rock Band, I was the note chart guy. All uh, you know, Guitar Hero one, Guitar Hero two, Rock Band one, much of Rock Band two, 
all those guitar button patterns. That was <laughs> me sitting there thinking like, hmm, oh, what does this this melody sounds like? Red, yellow, green, green. Um, <laughs> I liked how green was two different notes there. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, so it's sort of like I remember as we were, you know, first developing Rock Band Network, I had to write this huge document of like, okay, what makes what 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 are the rules for guitar authoring? How does this work? Because it all had just been something, you know, it was in my head. I know about how this works and, you know, it's about how it feels. Feel. It's not, yeah. you know, you can't, I, no, I don't want your rules, man. I just, <laughs> Get your you rules know. out of my music. Yeah, Pops. seriously. So I had to write up this big document over, like, what are the rules of, of authoring? Uh-huh. Um, and it was it was weird because it's like, oh, I didn't never thought of this in terms of rules. But, okay, you know, I understand. We need to teach other people how to do this. I was in the process of training other people how to do it. So it made sense. Um and we, you know, had this rule book now that we gave to all the, the you know, um, the RBN people. And so when I was doing the authoring, being feeling sort of I was, <laughs> I don't want to say I'm the one who invented how uh-huh. to do this, but I was in that circle. Yes. I wasn't particularly thinking like, oh, I better be checking all of the rules <laughs> because I wrote the rule book. Um, so, of course, I submitted my song and got it back with, like, oh, well, you broke this rule and this rule and this rule and this rule. And I sort of had to, like, respond with, like, well, well, you see, uh, here's why I broke this rule, because it's not really a rule. It's just, uh-huh. like, it's a good idea that works most of the time. This is, you know, that 1% case where actually it's okay. You know, I, was, I, was sort of like, I want to be like, trust me, it, it's okay. I, I, I work here. It's like, just, just, just say this is okay. It's all right. But, you know. Rightfully so. They said, nope, sorry, nobody gets special treatment. So a uh, lot of back and forth there. And, that is but, amazing. You know, what really sealed the deal for me was that my uh, my Xbox uh, account, Creators Club, yes. Xbox. XNA. Pl- sil- silver, gold, <laughs> orange. That, yep. Uh, that was all expiring. <laughs> and I was like, I really don't want to renew all this stuff. So that, you know, just so that I can push this song through. Yeah. So this this song, which was like 95% complete, just sort of sat on my on my hard drive to a while Oof. until I contacted uh, that authoring group who uh, did an awesome job of taking my work, <laughs> which was basically the finished product, and resubmitting it and getting it through. No, they actually, they did, they did a good job. They added the, the, the harmonies which there were none, and the keyboards, which there were some. So uh-huh. they, they did a good job. And uh, more importantly, they got it through. Awesome. They got it submitted. So is that available now? I think so. I think so. Somebody too. told me it was, but, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> sort of, you know. Well, all yeah, those, go all those, download it. Those fat checks are rolling in. That's right. Oh, <laughs> I'm just, I, I barely have to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> You're wearing your gold armor right now. <laughs> Uh, so people should check that out. Tell them the, the, the song title and the band name again. It's called Everything I Hate About Myself by Death of the Cool. <laughs> and they have heard... Uh, they have heard Can't Let Go, yes, which right. was an unlock on... RB1? RB1? Yeah. Jeez. So. Yeah. That was that was good times. Back when we could actually put our own music into games. <laughs> into our games, yeah. That was crazy. crazy. <laughs> who, who let us do that? <laughs> That was It was the wild woolly days of RB1. Well, well, I remember even cuz you know, uh Count Zero got uh Sail Your Ship By into Guitar Hero 2 or 1 even maybe. I'm not sure. I remember. 
anyways, I saw like, wow, this is this is awesome. We got a lot of exposure for that. And you know, I love Count Zero, but I'm the one that has a job at Harmonix. I should really start my own band and, and get their music into it. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, sub- I I wrote the song Can't Let Go just on my own in my bedroom, um, submitted it, figuring, thinking, you know, what, what a shot in the dark, maybe they'll like it. Really thought about, like, oh, what would make this interesting as a rock band song, some good five-note melodies, some, you know, patterns that are easy to play, but you got to think about, you know, it being in, in 11 and all that. And it got selected, and I had to start the band. Uh, you know, our own our own Jeff Allen became my drummer, who learned that song in one weekend where we got like an emergency recording session at uh, New Alliance, a local studio, where he played the real drums. My demo just had you know me playing keyboard drums uh-huh. on it, and uh, yeah, had to finish the song in like a week so that oh we could God. then put it into the game. So. That's awesome. Yeah, Rock Band launched Death of the Cool. <laughs> it exists because of Rock Band. So, Sweet. so thanks, Harmonix. <laughs> um, oh crap! I had a great follow up to that. Shit, I lost it. Shit. Oh well. Oh well. Doctor Frog, much better. Yeah. Than Death of the Cool. You didn't mention <laughs> that Doctor Frog shows you would play the bass with a cucumber. Well, I mean, I've played the bass with so many objects, it just seemed like, I I mean, yes, okay, I have played the bass with the cucumber. I think my favorite was playing the bass with another bass. Um, We had had, uh, our first reunion show. We've been doing reunion shows for like the past, I don't know, three or four years now, I think. Um, uh, We did a reunion show and just sort of invited all of the members that have ever been in the band to the show hoping that some of them would show up. And, um, you know, it's not... You you, you can deal with multiple instruments when it's guitars or keyboards or vocals or even drums. You know, we had a drummer and a percussionist. But uh, two two of the bass players showed up, me and, and, and another fellow, Matt. And it, having two bass players doesn't, doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. But we said, hey, it's Dr. Frog. <laughs> uh, let's just do it. So we both played bass at the same time, uh, which was great because neither of us remembered a lot of the songs. So, <laughs> so between thought, the two of <laughs> we figured, between the two of us, we'll probably get most of the notes right. And then, you know, as the night progressed, we just started playing less and less <laughs> until he just handed me his bass and I was standing there playing my own bass with it. Um, that uh, made me think of, in college, I had a friend who formed a band. He was a bass player. And he formed a band with seven other bass players, and they called themselves Eights of Bass, and they only played <laughs> oh, Ace of Bass covers all <laughs> with eight that bass guitars. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. It was really good. good. Wow. Really I would good. listen to that. Yeah. I don't eights know if they ever recorded bass. anything. I don't think they did, but it was, they put on good shows. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Man. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to ask you, I remember my question now about mixing. That must, you must have had times over the, God, what, five years now? or more, actually, with Guitar Hero, have you had times where your mix has not been fully appreciated by the original artist or anything like that, where you've had to, like, go back and forth? Because that that can sort of be a touchy thing, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the the nature of my job is a lot about finding the balance because I feel like my my first goal is to make, uh, uh, just just so everybody knows... (laughs) Uh, we don't just take the song right off the CD because yeah. we need all the instruments separated so that when you're playing 
the keyboards and you miss a note, the keyboard track actually stops, but the rest of the music keeps going. So the songs have to be uh, broken out into the separate instruments, but uh, they have to be processed in such a way that when they're put back together, they still sound like what you heard on the CD. Yep. Now, sometimes what we get is in really great shape, and it does sound just like the CD, and sometimes not so much. Um, so my job is to do my best to make it sound like the CD. And sometimes I can get it real close, sometimes not so much. <laughs> um, but also on top of that, it's not just to get it to sound like the CD. You also need to make sure each part is audible, like... Uh, you know, we got to think about, okay, some people are playing this game on a great big high-fidelity system. Some people are just playing it on a television with little one-inch speakers. So, like, if there's a bass guitar that is really just, like, low frequency, really thumpy um, and muffled, I'll brighten it a little bit so that you can still hear it through the mix. And, you know, trying to find the balance between, okay, how much can I get away with changing the mix so that you can hear everything all right, Um while it still sounds close enough to the original that no one's gonna no one's gonna complain. Now to address your question, uh, I actually I can't think of any instances where the artist or the label has actually come back and been upset about a mix. I mean, I mean, as far as I know, most of these huge famous artists aren't like, oh my god, my <laughs> song's in rock band. Right. I better stop the tour and go play it right now. Um, <laughs> But uh, it, you know, we uh, it's 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 very interesting to get to hear all of the all oh, of the different elements yeah, separated, especially when we get to, you know classic classic old songs. When we got some of the the stuff from the Doors, just yep. to be able to hear how they recorded it and how few tracks they used. Uh, you Did know, they just used four tracks. We actually, uh, what was. Uh, was it Break On Through? That was on like... RB3. Yeah, on RB3. That was a three-track recording. What? what? Yeah. And the breakdown <laughs> the breakdown of the tracks were basically... Track one was the vocals. Track two was everything <laughs> that you can hear that's panned to the left. Oh, my God. And track okay. three was everything you can hear that's panned to the right. Wow. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, like... I know at some point they, you know, developed three-track recording, but four-track is sort of, you know, became the standard at the time. Yeah. So I don't know what they were using that limited <laughs> them to, to three tracks, Weird. but that's what it was. And so we had to do some some audio trickery there <laughs> to make it sound like certain instruments were actually separated. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, this is super music nerdy, but and, and stuff that you already know because of what you've worked on. But I oh, went well, to—I I won't listen then. I went to a, <laughs> a lecture. This dude did a lecture on how the Beatles recorded their music, and it was a lot of that. It was like, yes, the final product was on four track, but they, over the course of a recording, they would. It is. I can't remember. I don't know if there's a term for it, but basically, like they'd record. First take, they'd do guitar on one track, vocals on one track, bass on one track, drums on one track. And then the next take, they would transfer all four of those tracks onto maybe like one or two tracks on the next Yeah, that's, down. that I mean, sort of became the standard for how you would do four-track recordings because four tracks simply isn't enough. There's right. way more elements than that. So you would record three, you'd usually record three things, you know, maybe drums, bass, and rhythm guitar on the first three tracks, and then bounce them down to all to the fourth track. So you had to be very careful, make sure you got the balance just right, 
Because once you bounced them to that fourth track, you couldn't you couldn't adjust right. it after the fact. You better know you exactly to change anything, how much. You had to go all the way back to the beginning, right? And well, there's over. a thing though, because once you bounce those three down to the fourth track, you would then re-record over, over those, those first three, yeah. three tracks to get your your lead guitar and your vocals and your percussion or whatever. So, you know, you could then you know adjust the overall level of that fourth track that had the drums and the bass and the guitar, but you couldn't adjust the instruments individually. It's crazy. Yep. And a lot. lot of that too didn't like the actual like sound levels and stuff. They had to do with that on the fly as they're recording. Right? Oh yeah, <laughs> no, no real like no fixing automation or anything. Yeah. Well, that's you know like Jimi Hendrix and 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 Led Zeppelin really got into that. You know, making making the mix a performance. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't have nothing was automated. So if you wanted something to pan from left to right, you had to have someone standing at the board <laughs> turning the, the knob as wow. you were doing the final mix. Uh, that's crazy. That's yep. Like, just not that it is not an art today. It def still definitely is. But, like, back then, man, there's just, you had, you're almost like one of the players at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, they have sessions where, you know, every member of the band would have, would, you know, have their hands on the knobs of their tracks. And, you know, <laughs> it was almost like you'd have a director. The producer would be directing all of them, you know, change the pan now, raise the volume now. Yeah. So. Crazy. crazy, yeah. Crazy. Uh, just a quick shout out in case anyone's interested in this stuff. Um, I recently saw a documentary about uh, this recording engineer named Tom Dowd, and it's you know you'd never heard of him unless you're like into that stuff. And then you watch this documentary, and you realize he produced basically everybody, <laughs> like from somewhere from the fa the span of like the '40s through to like the modern day. He just died like in the last ten years. Like he produced everybody. Um, and he sort of like invented the eight track almost like crazy stuff. So, um, look up this, it's God, what is it called? I can't even recommend it cause I don't know what it's called, but it's <laughs> great documentary about Tom Dowd. Look that up. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, but so, so one last thing on this topic, you got to do a ton on the Beatles rock band with this, right? Yes, I did. That must've been pretty bonkers. It was, it was absolutely bonkers, especially how it, Especially how it came to be, um, because you know we we got the word that we were making this Beatles game, mm -hmm. and you know everyone, certainly everyone in the audio department, I think everyone in the entire company was pretty psyched. <laughs> um, and you know, as as the the lead lead of the mix department, I was so excited to hear all these tracks. <laughs> then we got the message that. Oh, they say there's no way they're letting the multitracks out of Abbey Road. <laughs> Crap. I mean, shit. <laughs> like, what are we gonna do? Like, how are we supposed to make this game if we can't if we can't touch these these files? So, uh, you know, I had to start writing up again, writing up documents on how to mix for Rock Band. And I was like, oh god, you know, write this document, keep my fingers <coughs> crossed, shoot it off to them, hope they get it right, and then. Uh, Apparently, you know, our management, totally people above me, made this brilliant compromise, which was, okay, we, you know, you keep all of the masters, and you can even do the mixing, but we're going to send someone over to supervise, <laughs> which, of course, was me. Which is amazing. So I got to go over there and meet uh, Giles Martin, amazing guy, really friendly guy, uh, son of George Martin, yep. who was... The guy the that fifth Beatle. Like, yeah, recorded all of the almost all of the Beatles stuff. That's right. I'm going on the record as supporting George as the fifth Beatle. Right. That's right. 
Sir George, right? Yeah. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I got to meet this legendary man and then tell him what to do <laughs> all day at Abbey Road Studios. I wasn't, I wasn't even an engineer. It was like I went straight from just like dude in basement playing with Pro Tools to producer at Abbey Road yeah. Studios telling Giles Martin, oh, no, I think you really need to make the bass a little louder here. Um, that was just an amazingly surreal experience. How many trips did you get to take? Abbey Road. Oh, a lot. I think maybe like five or six. It was pretty and, much every other like month I week, spent a week there. A week stay at a time. That's... Yeah. Because you were there one... I think you were there one of the times that I got to go. It was either you or Jeff, or maybe both you and Jeff. Is that right? Yeah, they always sent go? someone else with me, yeah. so I got to bring a bunch of the audio people. <laughs> Just crazy. I got was... to spend two days there, and it's like the highlight of my life, so I can't even imagine the weeks that you got to spend there. Well, and it, you know, it was really... It was really interesting getting to be on that project before it was, uh-oh, technical <laughs> difficulties. Uh-oh. Just all of a sudden attacked me. <laughs> I just looked over and was like, what is happening? I'll just hold it. I'm good. I'm Means good. Well. scary. Uh, um, being on that project, working, working on the Beatles music, getting to hear these amazing tracks, getting to go to Abbey Road, not being able to tell my parents about it. <laughs> Uh, was incredibly difficult because, you know, I say, like so many people my age and even younger than me, I say, oh, yeah, I grew up with the Beatles. I did not grow up with the Beatles. I grew up because my parents grew up with the Beatles. And uh, so on the day it was finally announced, and I can say, hey, Mom, A, we're making a Beatles game. (laughs) B, I've been at Abbey Road every other (laughs) month for the last year. It was it was the first time I received an email from my mom that was in all caps. Um, which That's I amazing. Think, you know, fully expressed her excitement <laughs> over the matter. So, and the the other guy you got to work with was Hicksie, right? Paul Hicks. Now his dad was in the Hollies. Is that right? <sighs> I, I yeah yeah I'm pretty sure that's what they that's what they told me which is crazy just he yeah. he was he was an amazing dude uh, and he was an engineer yeah brilliant brilliant sense of humor he was the one that actually was doing the the hands on stuff yeah. and it's just it was just so cool to hang out with him because you know Giles Giles totally great guy but incredibly busy yeah um you he know. was doing the love uh, Cirque du Soleil show. yeah and he was just wrapping that up <clears throat> and we had him doing all sorts of other things and there was tons of press stuff at the same time because of the game and that was also right when they were re-releasing the remasters um so a lot of times you know he would he would be there for the first half of the day and then have to take off for meetings or whatever um and it would be me and me and me and paul hicks just hanging out (laughs) you know sitting in abbey road playing with the beatles masters and then you know going out for drinks with him in london him taking me to the coolest and you know this is a dude that outside of the engineering world not a lot of people probably know who he is, but in in the the heart of the music scene, everybody knows him. He got <laughs> us into any club, you know, VIP area. He was just so cool, you know, wearing like a t-shirt and, you know, his designer sweatpants <laughs> and the most amazing sneakers are are trainers over there they call yeah. them trainers. He had he had a collection of I think over 300 different wow. sneakers. Wow. He loved his sneakers, Damn. and they all looked fantastic. <laughs> Man. Um, sweet. So I looked it up, guys, that documentary I was talking about. Nice. Tom Dowd in the Language of Music. Highly recommended. I think I got the Academy Award for do- documentary that year. It came out. Uh, cool. 
Uh, so I thought I would segue us into our other topic of discussion. Actually, we have a couple. Let's yeah. let's talk uh, Dance Central first. That's a lot to do, yeah. It's a big day. So we're actually trending on Twitter right now, which is yeah. really exciting. Um, yeah. We're all super pumped. So we announced some new songs and a release date today. So we can talk about it right now in case you somehow <laughs> missed it by the time you listen to this. Um, so Dance Central 3 will be out in stores in the U.S. on October 16th. Yay! Yay! So yes. Pre-order now. Pre-order now. And if you aren't convinced as to why you should pre-order and or buy this game, let me drop some knowledge on you right now. <laughs> we announced 11 songs, and these are some of our favorites. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do this. All right, so we have, for our K-pop fans out there who have been demanding that we get this this wonderful artist in our in our game. We have I Am The Best by 2Anyone. It is very exciting. People on Twitter are super pumped about it, so yay. And I mixed it, so it sounds great. So it sounds fantastic, <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, we have Better Off Alone by Alice DJ. We have Everybody by the Backstreet Boys. What? what? Backstreet's yay. back. All, All right. right. There it is. Wow. Um, we have Supersonic by J.J. Fed. Yo, I don't yes. know. How's that Super one Super fun. Supersonic. <laughs> okay. That's it. That's all you need to know. That is all you need to know. We have Get Low by Lil John and the East Side Boys between the Yin Yin Yang twins. Can I sing some of that, please? Skate, 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 skate. The the wow. our, our audio intern this had to tell great. me what skeet meant. Yeah, and it was a well, special moment. This is a family show. <laughs> there, yeah, that's a line we can't cross here. You can say shit all day long, but don't. Skeet, skeet. You're welcome to Google it. Though. <laughs> yes, go on and Google it while you're looking for Pope's documentary. Um, then we have another big artist for Dance Central, LMFAO, Sexy and I Know It, I Work Out. Work which out. Is the extra part I added. Work okay, out. so super fun, really excited. For the 90s, we got the Macarena. Yep. The Macarena. Hey! Do you know what they're saying in that song? That's I mean, racist. You just, we just sang it. Uh, actually, I'm not entirely sure what they're saying. They're just a, they're a couple of mumblers. But they are saying, yeah, mumble they're mumbling. Mumble. I, I can't tell just because mumble it's just like... <laughs> mumble Reina. Mumble Ah, And then we have Moves Like Jagger. Yep. Hooray. Maroon 5 featuring Christina Aguilera. Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla what? Ice. Yes, like the Ice Ice Baby. Stop, collaborate, and right. listen. Yes, like that one. Whoa. Yes. yes. And then uh, Turn the Beat Around by Vicky Sue Robinson. And then everyone's favorite, YMCA. Oh, yep. we stole that from the Star Wars game, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> That's what I heard on Twitter today. We're like, oh, that'd be really good in the dance game. I guess we should yeah, put it in there. Yeah, so we got, we got it. We yeah. got you guys. There was a really fun debate over which way we were going to teach people to make the oh, scene. Right. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Since, that's... since you mirror the dancer, yeah. we realized, oh, we either need to teach people to do it the wrong way or have it look wrong on the screen. So what? So we went with looking wrong on the screen so that we are, in fact, teaching you to do the YMCA correctly. Yeah. You're welcome, world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally, you can do it. <laughs> so, I mean, if it were just those 11 songs on the disc, We should just totally ship it this. now. Like, I'm it. already on board, but like I said... But... but you can't get it until October 16th. Yeah. And if you are part of Europe, Asia, or Australia, Which October 19th, Yep. if you're listening. I'm going to I'm going to buy it in North America, and then I'm going to move. 
and I'm going to buy it again. <laughs> buy it in each buy of those twice. regions. That is how excited I am. No, no, seriously, but these 11 tracks are awesome. And if there were just these 11 tracks in the disc, I would buy it. Yeah, but we but still have more. some really good stuff. And we yep. haven't even announced all of them, man. Nope. So I we've think, announced 21. Many, do we know how many more? Yeah, about We're only halfway. Yeah, about halfway. Okay. Yeah, and okay. I think some Damn. of the best tracks we haven't even announced yet. Yeah, so we still have some really good stuff. So if you're excited about this this list here, we got lots more awesome. And then we also have a video that pops in. Oh, that's true. Talking Why, about yeah. our bonkers.net story true. mode. Why were you in story? that video, Pope? Uh, I helped out with writing this uh, game's storyline. That's crazy. A dance game with a storyline? Yes. Oh, yes. man. Tell me more. It is as ridiculous as you would hope a sto- a dance game would have for a storyline. Uh, time travel is yep. uh, a crux of it. I like the movie uh, Primer or the upcoming movie Looper. Very heady stories of time travel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you are enlisted in the core of DCI, Dance Central Intelligence. They're, they're a covert uh, agency that investigate and solve dance crimes. Uh, they need you because basically you're the best. Mm. You know that you're the best, but they also know that you're the best. Uh, Dr. Tan's on the loose. If you've played our previous Dance Central games, you know Dr. Tan is the big bad villain. Mm-hmm. Mocapped by you, right, Izzy? Yes, small small piece of, small factoid here that you probably don't know unless you know me because I tell absolutely everyone <laughs> um, most of most of Dr. Tan's mocap is me. That's pretty great. We have some really fantastic finishing moves of me uh, <laughs> attempting to look cool uh-huh. um, that you can look forward to. I mean, those 11 songs should be enough, but yes. just in case you need more incentive. In case you're an animation it's freak. It's got my dance moves in the game. So, like, when you were doing the Dr. Tan moves, who were you trying to model? Like, who like did, was your inspiration for your movements? I was thinking about three people. Okay. I was thinking about Marilyn Manson <laughs> and Lady Gaga. Yes. Amazing. Okay. And Professor Farnsworth. <laughs> I really thought if you could take the three of these and like smush them together or have like some creepy threesome and that somehow they had a he is their kid baby all together. He's a three-way that, baby. That would That's be quite the pig roast. That would be Dr. Tan. Amazing. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, it is a it's a it's a he's like the most fun character to write for for sure. So it must be pretty fun to act him out because he's just this balance of like he's an evil genius but he's totally ridiculous. Like Yeah. He he thinks he's really funny. He thinks he's really hip and cool, but he's just not. And and the I I don't know who it was, but the voice talent that we got. To oh, do that guy was, is so good. Well, that's because I on on DC two when when Helen first asked me if I wanted to do mocap for him, she sent me a link to some of the sound bites, and <laughs> they are just amazing. Yeah, I wish I knew that guy's name. I think he does like a lot of cartoon work. He's yeah, got such a good, hilarious. His voice. delivery is just yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, so uh, people should get excited. We're bringing story to dance games. Yeah, so check out the developer diary we put together. It's on our YouTube channel. On our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. YouTube.com slash Harmonix Music. Do it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, and then the last thing, we actually, um, I mean, if you look at the box art, you can kind of tell what crews are in the game, give or take. But we officially revealed Tay and Little T as the 90s crew and their house party venues. So we actually have screens on the website, yep. and you will find them also posted up on Facebook. So if you guys want to check out their new look, they look super great. Very 90s. Baggy clothes. It's mm-hmm. super awesome. 
So yeah, if you guys are looking for cosplay ideas, there's some good stuff there. Um, So yeah, I think that's. So what crews have we currently announced then? So so far we have DCI. They're the new ones, Mm -hmm. Lima and and Rasa. Lima and Rasa, high def. So Mo and Glitch in the '80s. They look amazing. Who look the '80s outfits? So good. Sharp. Love, love, love. Um, and then. Lush. Okay, and Lil T, Lush for the 70s, so Miss Aubrey and Angel, looking cool. awesome. Um, very groovy. And then we got some other mystery ones. And then we still haven't announced all of them. Yeah. So, Ooh, yeah, stay tuned. There'll be some more If you've never, stuff. up to now, bought a Dance Central game, this is the one to get. Yeah, Absolutely. this is it. This is like, uh, we keep saying, like, Rock Band 3 was basically like yeah. everything in the kitchen sink, like for the Rock Band series, and Dance Central 3 feels like that. I mean, definitely, it's definitely that, for sure. I yeah, mean, it's not just like the goofy story or anything. It's like the amount of cool gameplay yeah. in this game. Yeah, the the, the crew throw down party modes, or like, even just like the mechanics in the story mode. Any, like, if you guys you want to talk about crazy and stuff. Oh sure, yeah. So the kind of the gameplay crux of doing the story mode is, uh, as the story takes you through time, uh, <laughs> you have to learn these different dance crazes from different eras of of time, and these aren't like made up for the game. These are real dance crazes that we all at least sort of are semi-familiar with. You go to a wedding, you see the electric slide, so, or the hustle, yeah. or other some such. Yeah, so we'll have, yeah. we'll show more about that stuff yeah. soon. Yeah, actually, yeah, relatively soon. Relatively we soon. just made an announcement, yeah. and now we're talking about the next announcement, but it's Oops. coming up. No. Oops! That's cool. Yeah, we still got a lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in this game. Just because you learn those dance moves doesn't necessarily mean anything about the songs associated with them. That's true. Oops. Oops. Secrets. It's Uh, a tease. We'll we'll show more later. Yeah. But yeah, there actually are a lot of mechanics in the story Mm -hmm. mode itself that are a pretty fun, tailored gaming experience for people who like video games, not just dance games. Correct. Makes really cool uses of the Kinect, so... Yes. Definitely check it out. Boom. Boom. And in the time we have left, we had a discussion topic for today. And I will admit this topic was inspired by a podcast Aaron and I did last week with the good folks at the Future Retro Gaming Podcast. Uh, They apparently end all of their podcasts with asking their guests what their favorite retro games are. Or retro game is. If you can pick a single, single one. So I thought we would roll that into like your first, what was your first gaming experience? So for me, um, I had a ColecoVision as a kid. Wow. Which is if for the youngster, do you know what a ColecoVision is, Annette? Yes. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> you're, you're not <laughs> is that it, it is old. <laughs> it is very old. Um, so plug it into a radio, right? <laughs> yeah. For yeah, TV. It's all played with sound. <laughs> um, uh, so very similar to your Atari's. In fact, the games were kind of compatible somehow. I don't know how. No, I remember my ColecoVision games worked in an Atari or vice versa. Probably some sort of illegal there was bootleg a, some sort adapter. Of adapter. They yeah. sold up in Maine, in the woods of Maine. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, approves. Yeah. Um, Coleco, it was awesome. Uh, and my favorite game on that was the Empire Strikes Back game. Mm hmm. Uh, oh yeah, that was like all vector based. And my least favorite was the goddamn Smurfs game. Has <laughs> oh, anyone yeah, here was, played that? Yep. Yeah, it was terrible. It was so stupidly hard. Like you're a Smurf, and you just—it's a side scroller, and you're gonna go into the castle where Gargamel is or whatever. <laughs> and the very first thing is an obstacle. It's just a tuft of grass. 
and the mechanics were so bad in this game, you would die if you touched that tuft of grass, and the jumping mechanics were so bad. Like, I never got past the tuft of grass. Yeah. The very first obstacle in the game. Yeah, there was a lot of trash that they released yeah. in the 80s. And, like, yeah. I remember, like, when I, when I was a kid game, and I would play these. Hard. The thing is that, like, I would play these games. I would want to buy them or have my parents yeah. buy them for me sight unseen. Like, I didn't know anything about them. I'm like, oh, the Smurfs. I love the Smurfs. Right. Give me the Smurfs. So they would spend right. whatever, 30 bucks, 40 bucks, 60 bucks, I don't know, whatever, on these games. I would get it home, and it would just be the, the biggest pile of trash I've ever do played anything. in my life. Yep. I couldn't jump over that piece of fucking grass. Yep. But I would, si- I would literally sit there for hours and <laughs> yep. hours and Trying. convince myself mm-hmm. that... This isn't that bad. This is pretty yeah. good. This yeah. is not bad. This X-Men game that I really wanted for the NES. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Give me the Karate Kid next. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so those... I also had an Apple II. Yeah. Uh, I was brought up on computer games right from the beginning. Nice. Um, and there was an awesome game on that. I don't know if people know it. called Law of the West. Where you were like a gunslinger and you had like text options. But you could also do uh, showdowns and stuff. It was very cool. Cool. Mm. Annette, what was your, your first gaming experience and or favorite retro game? Um, it doesn't go that far back. That's but fine. Um, Super Nintendo had Super Mario All-Stars, which is the super oh, yeah. rad yeah. Mario oh, yeah. collection of yep. awesome. So I usually just played Super Mario Bros. 3. So are you so sorry? Are you saying this was your first gaming experience or just your favorite? Well, my favorite slash like probably one of my earlier ones. Like my earliest gaming experience was just watching my sister try to beat Mario Two. <laughs> She's just like throwing turnips like all night long. Weird game. <laughs> um, Nick, you're a Mario Two apologist, right? I don't think the game's that bad. Yeah. I think it's actually pretty cool. They do a lot. There's a lot of cool mechanics it's about that game. The fact that you could pick from the, the four right. different characters yeah. is really it's cool. Like it Mario wasn't designed game. as originally yeah, as a Mario exactly. game, right? That's the um, thing. But <laughs> had they just released like Super Mario Brothers Two, the Japanese version, it was basically Super Mario Brothers One, but it was like balls hard and it like used the same engine it was just like somebody used like a, a level hard. editor to make like the most obnoxious levels possible and they released that or they're like what is this garbage at least they, they tried something have you ever played that it. i've never played that oh yeah they, it came out as the lost levels oh, um, and i think it was on super mario mm-hmm. all-stars and it oh, was balls nice. hard it was balls like there there literally literally be balls things where hard. like you would like you would hit a coin block and then like a death mushroom would come out and be like yo what up you're stuck with this death mushroom death yeah, now, mushroom. You gotta, yeah, now you gotta die Fun yo game. what up death mushroom <laughs> cool game now bro you gotta die Look I wanna make go. a game where like if you go down like a Mario game where if you go down like the wrong pipe you just die just immediately <laughs> die just, fuck you you're dead and it's Amazing. always like a random pipe too yeah exactly yeah. it's different every time like sometimes <laughs> you'll get a Russian roulette like Russian roulette right. of pipes wow sounds like life yeah it sounds exactly. amazing so then your, was your first system an SNES mm-hmm Yep, yep. I actually mostly played games on my Game Boy, though, because my sister always used a TV. I didn't have my own TV, so So I was playing my Game Boy, which it's like, I think about how far handhelds have come and, like, where I had to sit under a lamp at night because it wasn't backlit, (laughs) my batteries would always die, and it was, like, the end of the world because I'd lose my (laughs) saves and, like, nonsense. Game Boy had some... some Game Boy. Long life, though. Yeah, that was out for a while. a long time before yeah, they went long. to the advanced. You mentioned that. the light thing, and I'm remembering they had those worm lights yes. that would like, plug into the side. It yep. would, like This little stupid light would stick over like, the edge of the <laughs> Game Boy. <laughs> like, and it would literally everything. just be like a big, like, like, like gigantic thing of like light on your screen. It would be yeah. like glare. glare be, yeah. you right. know, the worst. All over the place. <laughs> it's just the worst. But worst. One of my friends had the big like magnifying slash. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it went over the, that was the best one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the best one. one of those. <laughs> and it took its own battery, I think. Yeah. Oh, God. I never nice. had a Game Boy. I had a Game Gear. Okay. Ooh. So you yeah, got like a good 15 minutes of gaming. Like, that is exactly right. the batteries. Yep. 
I had two games for it, never bought it. Like, I got the two that came with it and never got a one because, like, man, it just, it was very cool looking, very sleek. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if it was sleek. Well, you're right. It was big. big. It was really big. It was like holding a couch in your hands. I have two of them at my house for some reason. Really? Yeah, I didn't, I don't know where I got them. I had Shinobi and Sonic. Yeah. But, yeah. I guess I was never much of a Sega man myself. I don't know how I ended up with one. It's cool. It was a color. Yes. Fish. I remember we got a Nintendo and we got Super Mario's and Zelda. And I loved Zelda. I just played it all the time. The first one. Yeah, I loved just being able to wander, explore, find new stuff. Great game. Um, We went to the Art of the Video Games exhibit last weekend in D.C. and we got to see all these cool old retro games there. They had like big display areas where you could go play. Like, Was that like in the Smithsonian? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. It awesome. It was like so comprehensive. It covered like everything from Is it a permanent uh, exhibit? the oddies, whatever this era is called. I don't uh, know if it's, no, it's, it's like it's a, permanent. It's not permanent. It's like a... It's for the summer maybe? Yeah, for this <laughs> summer. Check it's it totally out. worth checking out. Yeah. If you live in D.C., you know, it's free for anyone that goes to visit. It's mm. Yeah. Really fun. Yeah, I think it opened That's like... Cool. Right after I moved here ah. from Baltimore. And I'd never played Jokes. Monkey Island. I was like, I know about this Oh, is that game. why you were asking about that? Yeah, I've heard about it. Because um, all of our servers at Harmonix are named after it. Like, which is <laughs> like, oh, these are all these names. That's what they mean. Oh. That game was hilarious. I was like, that. wow, this is really fun. You could play for five minutes on like a big screen. They had like ten different yeah. like, kiosks. It kind of looked like holodeck style. Like everything was big. Sweet. Wow. wow. And that was in which which museum? The American History Museum, or um, it was the it wasn't the Portrait Museum, but it was right near that. Hmm. Okay, cool, super dope. You should check it out if you get a chance. Sweet, Izzy. What was your first gaming experience? Uh, well, I had I had many gaming experiences. I had you know neighbors with Ataris and mm-hmm. um. Friends with computers and whatnot. I even I my first system was an NES, but um, you know, in retrospect, realized that was a a gift from my father that was also kind of for my father. <laughs> um, awesome. So you know, I learned Super Mario, and we had a, we had a few different games. Super Mario Three was you know a really good game, but oh, yeah. felt like I didn't really get sucked into a video game till we had a Mac Classic. And a friend bought me Wizardry, Ooh. which like definitely planted the nerd seed <laughs> in in me. Um, and you know that sort of expensive <laughs> <Gross>. dungeon crawler. <laughs> that yeah. was a, yeah, that was a slow burn, but that was gross. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Civilization One was probably the first game I played for like over twelve hours straight. Amazing and. Yeah, I remember in junior high school, uh, the first time someone introduced me to a little game called Diablo <laughs> that I started playing at a party that was a sleepover party and thought, oh, this game looks like fun. I'll, I'll you know, we, we, we had our pizza party. I'll sit down and play for a while before I go to bed. <laughs> and then hearing this chirping sound and being like, what? What is this? Are there birds in this game? Oh no! Look, the sun is rising. Oh you played this game all night without even realizing it. So, <laughs> yeah, so there you those go. are great. Those are all great games. Wizardry. I forgot about Wizardry. Wizardry. Nice. Made made the mistake of a few years ago buying one of the new Wizardry games. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm probably going to upset someone here. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Uh, bummer. Nick, bummer. what do you got? So, wait, yeah, growing up, like, I didn't, originally I didn't have any consoles, so I had friends who had, like, ColecoVision and Ataris and Apples and stuff like that. So I always, I loved video games, like, early on, but I always have to go to somebody else's house and play it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I remember um, the NES had come, was coming out, um, that the holiday that they first introduced it. I think they did, like, a test market in New York at first, which happened to be where I lived at the time. Nice. I saw a commercial for it, and I was obsessed with the arcade game Kung Fu Master, and they like I remember the commercial was like that's one uh, of the old the old kung fu dude is just like sort of watches you. No, no, no. It's like a side scrolling. Like you can kick and you can punch and you can jump and you get like attacked by midgets and then guys with knives Ooh. and then there's like you fight to do with the stick on the first level. This is just kung fu, isn't it? Back up a second. Right, I'll get to it. Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, so kung fu master, I was really like uh, obsessed with it in the arcades and I would like throw fits if my parents wouldn't let me play it. So I saw it in this commercial for the NES and I was like, whatever that is. I need it immediately, <laughs> and my parents didn't have any money, but for some reason they did get it for me for awesome. Christmas. So remember, I got uh, the, the set came with uh, Gyromite, Duck Hunt, uh, and NES, and it came with uh, Rob the Robot. Wow, and, and you had came, that one? Yeah, and it came with the light gun, and then they also got me Kung Fu Master, um, but it was called Kung Fu on on the uh, NES. And so yes. I'd played games before that, but that was sort of like the one that you know, got me to harass my parents to, to buy me a video game system. Awesome. And then it was completely downhill. Like every game ever I played from then. Uh, so I never had the robot, so I never understood the purpose of the robot. Yeah. What did he do? Um, so as best as I could remember. There um, were like, what, two games that worked Basically, yeah. So there was like a tray that would hold the controller. Uh-huh. And... Um, I believe the robot's eyes like red, like infrared, kind of sort of like the light gun. So you would do certain things, like some stuff would happen on the screen, and then like the robot would react and then place spinning plates on these these mechanisms that would press down on different buttons on the controller, um, and trigger things in in on the screen. That's it crazy. was it was fucking it was a clusterfuck. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't really work properly from what I remember. Um, Did you ever have a power glove? I didn't have a power glove. No. Did anyone here ever have a power glove? Mm-hmm. Me either. No. Had a, had a friend that had a power glove. Yeah? yeah. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen one in person. Really? I didn't have any friends that had it. Yeah, I don't think anybody actually owned one. I mean, yeah. like that was another friend. peripheral. Yeah, I think my it friend had the horribly. one that was made. <laughs> <laughs> Your friend is the kid from The Wizard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I did have the power pad. I had the power pad too. That was pretty sweet. Yeah. Was that First the motion giant gaming. One? Hmm? Was that the giant one? Like no, joystick. that was like it was actually a pad that you would run on or do like. Different oh yeah. yeah, I remember because I had that for the like the Olympics. Yes, the game. track and field game. Track and field, right? Which were really fun until I realized, oh, I can just use my hands. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yep. long jump, stop. Yeah. Oh, what a long jump! Oh, and land! <laughs> wow, new world record. Yep. <laughs> kind of cheating. Yeah. Kinda. <laughs> Even when I was like using, like actually running on it, I would just step off for the long jumps oh, and yeah. then step yeah. back on. Uh, great times. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, not, not enough loopholes in games these days. It's true. They're tested far too rigorously. <laughs> uh, so we're out of time. This was a good podcast. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining, yeah. Izzy. Thank you. Yeah, so check out Izzy's song in Rock Band Network. Uh, check out Dance Central 3 because it's awesome. We didn't talk about Rock Band Blitz this time around, but that game's also great. We announced the uh, release date uh, for that, Nick. Since our last podcast, yes, yes, we did, uh, and the price, mm-hmm. price being, do tell, fourteen ninety nine. 
What? On what? the PS3. That's right. 1,200 Microsoft points on the Xbox 360. What? Bam. What a deal. What a for, bargain. For, I think Drake has said it flat out. It's 25, 25 songs, songs even. Yes. Um, and you could play them in, in Rock Band Blitz and in Rock Band 3. Yep. So if you just want to get a 25-song track pack for $15. It's crazy. It's the best deal, What's I think, ever. Running? We've With ever a given. whole game. A yeah. whole awesome game. Yeah. And, and some people I know are just, bu- they could say they're just going to buy it for the track pack. <laughs> That's not going to happen. You're going to play Blitz, play and you're going to want to play it again and again and again. Not that you would never play Rock Band 3 again, because you will, but you're going to play a lot of Blitz, because it's a lot of fun. Yes. Uh, All of and, the fun. and it's coming out August 28th on X, on PS. Uh, and, uh, yep. Uh, and play, then, that's PlayStation 3. Uh-huh. PSN. And August 29th, the next yes. day, mm. on Xbox. On Xbox 360. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's correct. So that's about a month away. Yeah. Pretty Yay, awesome. Calendars. It's coming up. Woo! Yay. All right. So thanks, everybody. Uh, We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Yeah.